Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to your daily dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. That's right. This week, we're coming at you every day. We're dropping an episode somewhere between 6 and 7 p.m. at night, and we are excited because we are giving you the content you guys need. We're giving you Alaska politics here and now, real time, every day, this week. It's just something special we want to do for our listeners and our supporters, and we want to say thank you for doing that. So check us out every day this week. We're dropping a podcast somewhere between 6 and 7, and if you haven't, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you get it first and foremost before anybody else. Hit that subscribe button and get our podcast immediately when we upload it to Podbean. Now, before we go any further, I want to let you know, we need you to give us a five-star review. We are at 84 reviews. We're trying to get to 100 before the end of the year, and we need you guys to do that. There's only so many times John's mom can give us a five-star review. So we need you guys to step up and give us a five-star review so that we can hit 100 before the end of 2021. And with that being said, let's get into some news. Let's get out of Anchorage. We've been talking about Anchorage all week for, it seems like, forever because of everything that's going on, the craziness that's going on right now. But let's get out of Anchorage, and let's fly on up to Fairbanks and talk a little bit about the Fairbanks North Star Borough elections. Number one, let's just get this out of the way because it's not going to be a surprise. Current Mayor Bryce Ward is winning re-election by a landslide. I mean, it's not even close. If you could see the numbers right now, which I'm going to tell you, it is not even close. Bryce is winning in the unofficial results. The votes are in and they keep coming in, but I don't see any way that his opponents are going to beat him. Bryce has 11,376 votes as compared to his competition. His, <clears throat> his numbers are just incredible right now. They really are incredible. It's a testament to what he's done up there, apparently, because that borough has decided that they want him back in office. Now, Robert Shields, a Green Party activist, is second place with, hold on to your seats, 1,387 votes whereas the third-place candidate has 946 votes. So I think it's pretty clear. I know we can't call it right off the bat, but I think it's pretty clear that Bryce Ward is going to win re-election up at Fairbanks, North Star Borough, and the people have spoken. I think it's pretty clear. But if we travel down to the borough assembly, we see something very interesting. I'm going to get into the numbers here, but I want to let you know the deciding factor, it seems like, in this election cycle for the borough assembly up at the Fairbanks North Star Borough. Here's the deal. And I think it's an important lesson to learn, particularly here in Anchorage, as we have elections coming in 2022 in April. Money matters in local elections. Supporting candidates financially, as well as with your time and your volunteering. is Volunteering your time is important, but financial support for candidates is huge. And nowhere can this be seen than in this current election, okay? Liberal candidates for the assembly in the Fairbanks North Star Borough did significantly better in fundraising than conservative candidates. 
They've raised over $100,000, whereas the conservative candidates raised around $40,000. So listen to this. Here, here are the vote counts right now. For seat A, David Gutenberg, a liberal candidate, appears to be out-dueling Kevin McKinley, the conservative. Gutenberg has 7,581 votes to 6,328 votes for McKinley. Fletcher, the liberal candidate, is out earning votes to Patricia Silva, the conservative candidate. Fletcher has 7,908 votes to Silva's 5,911 for seat F. And for seat G, Christian Kelly is out-dueling the conservative Lance Roberts this way. Kelly has 7,808 votes to Roberts' 6,144 votes. Now, how does that correlate with money? Lance Roberts was outraised by the liberal, by the liberal Christian Kelly, two to one. Patricia Silva, the conservative candidate, was outraised by Savannah Fletcher, three to one. And Kevin Kelly was outraised by David Gutenberg, the, the liberal candidate, three to one. What does that tell you? Financial backing in the local election is a major key in getting elected or reelected, depending on, on where you're sitting. It's huge. It is huge. Financial support of a candidate is a massive component to winning an election. And this right here, this election cycle in the Fairbanks North Star Borough is a prime example of that. It's just a prime example. Now, the balance in terms of liberal versus conservative candidates, or excuse me, liberal versus conservative assembly members has stayed balanced. It has stayed balanced. But that's not the case here in Anchorage. The Fairbanks North Star Borough has a balance of liberal and conservative assembly members but that is not the case here in Anchorage. It is an overwhelming supermajority of left-leaning candidates, which begs the question, April 2022, when the assembly seats that are vacant and the members in those seats are up for re-election, what are you going to do? Well, number one is you are going to support financially the candidate you believe in, because the reality is this. We've seen it played out. In the local election, financial support and out-fundraising your opponent is a key indicator of success in election. It just is. And it, the proof's in the pudding. You can't make this stuff up. It's here. So if you're looking to support your candidate, a candidate you want to win, a candidate that you want to see in the seat in the assembly, know that your financial support is a key indicator of whether or not that candidate is going to be successful. A candidate's ability to fundraise, the candidate's ability to be able to, to create momentum through financial support is a clear indicator of success. And we see that here in the Fairbanks North Star Borough race. It just is. I mean, there's... Now, that's not always the case. As we saw when... Dr. Al Gross went to challenge Senator Dan Sullivan in 2020. And speaking of that, 
It looks like our friend Dr. Al Gross is back in the news. Unfortunately, for the wrong reason. Doesn't seem like our friend Dr. Gross is, is winning a lot lately. And if you go to Must Read Alaska, it's under the title, Al Gross comes in four out of five in election for hospital board in Petersburg. Quote, Al Gross, who challenged Senator Dan Sullivan in 2020 for the U.S. Senate, ran for a board seat for the Petersburg Medical Center this month. He came in fourth. Incumbent Kathy Reimer took 553 votes, tying with Heather Kahn. Both will be seated on the board. Donna Marsh took third, and Gross took fourth with 382 votes. When Gross ran for Senate as an independent, he was the darling of the left in the mainstream media. He had the endorsement of the Alaska Democratic Party as an independent. Interesting. His campaign was supposed, um, <clears throat> excuse me, supported by the far left and now discredited Lincoln Project, which, by the way, we haven't even touched on the Lincoln Project. That is a podcast in itself. Some have said he is eyeing a run for governor of Alaska, but this is a difficult loss for anyone with such aspirations, writes Suzanne Downing. Well, that's true. I mean, if you can't run an election to be on the hospital board as a doctor in the town that you claim as your own, that's not a great win. That's not, that's not boding well for you being governor of the state. But here's another thing. Al Gross, I mean, yes, he, he, he came four out of five in this election for the hospital board in, in Petersburg. But this, I want you to think about this. What is the ripple effect of this in terms of the Democratic Party and the left-leaning um, part of that party? Well, number one is this. We are seeing that candidates that are going after high offices, in this case Al Gross going for the U.S. Senate, losing that and then carrying that momentum, or I guess that's not a great way to put it, is it? Carrying that loss into a smaller local election and now not even making the top three out of five for a board in a hospital. That is saying a lot. But I, I, I look at this scenario and I think to myself, where's the implication of this in maybe a city like Anchorage? And here's the implication, and I've thought about this a lot. The Democratic Party runs on momentum. Every party does, really. But in a state that's been red for a long time, the idea is, is that the Democratic Party and the left-leaning portion of that party, the real hard left, is running a momentum. That's what you see with AOC, the squad. They're running a momentum. And AOC is carrying that, by the way, right now. Ilan and Mamar and, uh, and the rest of that crew, you don't hear much from them. It's still AOC that's carrying that group and the momentum, quote-unquote, of that group. But what does that look like here in Alaska, particularly in Anchorage? Well, here's the deal. Forrest Dunbar is up for re-election in 2022. He's got a formidable opponent is Stephanie Taylor, who is fundraising like you would not believe. So it wouldn't surprise me if Forrest Dunbar got a little uptick from some outside entities in the Democratic Party to make sure that he is reelected. But that's beside the point. There is grave concern right now, if I'm the Democratic Party, about Forrest Dunbar. Forrest lost to Don Young as a U.S. rep. He has lost now 
to Dave Bronson for the Anchorage mayor. If he loses his assembly seat to Stephanie Taylor, who is right now running a, a real aggressive campaign in terms of getting her message out, what happens then? Who's the next darling of the Democratic Party? Ethan Berkowitz certainly isn't that. We are seeing now in the governor's race a retread of Bill Walker, who was kicked out of the Democratic Party and had to run as an independent the last time. It really looks like the Democratic Party is, is losing a lot of its lead horses when it comes to higher offices. Now, if Forrest loses the assembly seat, where does that leave him? He's lost a U.S. rep race. He's lost a mayor race. And if he loses the assembly race, where does that leave him? And that's what I thought of when I read this Al Gross story here on Must Read Alaska, is there are some serious implications for the Democratic Party right now. There's some serious implications. They're, they're shining beacon faces that have been thrusted into the forefront are starting to lose ground. Decisions being made by the party, pushed here in Anchorage and some other areas, are not popular. They're not. In a state that was traditionally red, turning a bit purple, you see that many are starting to see a divide between the parties. And in doing so, when you start losing local races, it really provides a screeching halt for any momentum for any party, but particularly we're looking at the Democratic Party in the faces of Alaska. So now what? Now what? Well, this really dives into a Gallup poll that has been presented that is showing some shocking results. And if I'm in the Democratic Party, I am, I am not, this is not a good poll for me. It really is not. It is showing tremendous erosion in the trust of my, of my party if I'm a Democrat. I'm not, but I'm just saying. It is showing tremendous wear in the party. It is showing tremendous distrust and a, and a loss of any sort of, I guess for lack of a better term, trust again. Let's talk about this. So this Gallup poll came out, and it shows, wow, it shows a disparity now amongst the party in what the people believe. Okay? What the people believe. So let's just look at this. I'm going to give you some raw numbers because I know there's a lot of you out there. Scott, tell me, just tell me the news. So here it is. Republican Party expands advantage as party better able to protect U.S. from international threats. Here it is. Looking ahead for the next few years, which political party do you think will do a better job of protecting the country from international terrorism and military threats? That was the question posed. Now, before I tell you the percentage that said which party is better or which party is suited to protect, here's the deal. The greatest point disparity was in 2014. And it said this, 55% said that the Republican Party was better suited to protect against international threats 
than 32% who thought the Democratic Party was. Now that's a 13-point spread. In 2021, people believe that 54% of the people believe that the Republican Party is set up to protect against international threats and military threats, as opposed to 39% think the Democratic Party is. Year over year, I mean, generally speaking, most believe the Republican Party throughout the last, let's just say, 17 to 19 years, believe that the Republican Party has had a better and is better suited in this question. But last year, only 50% thought the Republican Party was better suited versus 46% thought the Democratic Party was. So they've lost seven points. The Democratic Party has lost seven points in people having faith in their ability to protect against international terrorism and military threats. Well, that's not the only thing. Next question. Looking ahead for the next few years, which political party do you think will do a better job of keeping the country prosperous? A huge question. Domestically, where do we think the best growth is going to be? Where do you think it's going to be? Well, here's the deal. 50% believe the Republican Party is set up to do that. 41% believe that the Democratic Party is set up to do that. Now, is that a stark change? Well, it's six-point difference from last year, and the gap is widening. Because last year, 48% thought that the Republican Party was set up for that versus 47% thought the Democratic Party. They've lost six points in this poll. They've lost six points. Next question. Which political party do you think can do a better job of handling the problem you think is most important? Now, this is an open-ended question. And frankly, this is probably the most interesting because it is so open-ended that whatever you believe is the most important and most critical uh, problem could span anything from economics to any variety of number of social issues to religious freedom to First Amendment freedom to, I mean, it could range. So it's so open-ended that it actually gives us a viewpoint of which party actually has more momentum. It really does. It really does. Now, this is very interesting. Democrats have lost a significant advantage in this question. In 2020, 47% thought that the Democratic Party was set up to handle the most important problems that an individual thought needed to be addressed. Versus 39% thought the Republican Party could do that. That has dramatically changed. The Democratic Party has fallen nine points. So now, 41% think the Republican Party is set up to handle the problem that they think is most important, versus 38% think the Democratic Party can do that. That is a massive, a massive change. The trust in the Democratic Party is failing right now. The political and policy decisions that are being made, the public is not okay with. I mean, it's pretty evident. It is pretty evident. And this last question has, for the majority of the time, 
for the majority of the time, the Democratic Party has looked, uh, been looked upon as favorable in this question. Not the case anymore. There has been a dramatic, a dramatic difference in that. Absolutely dramatic. So now what? Well, this tells us one thing, is that Republicans need to stay the course and be consistent because the Democratic Party is, is sinking its own ship. It really is. The Biden administration has been terrible. Lie upon lie upon lie. The withdrawal from Afghanistan has been an utter disaster. The fact that the president and the entire Democratic Party, while Trump was in office, said they would never take the vaccine, they would never trust anything like that, and then as soon as they got into office, switched their tune, which was obviously a political ploy. People see that. And now with this masking mandate, with both the press secretary and the president saying we would never, ever, ever introduce a federal mask mandate, and then they do so. The trust in the Democratic Party is eroding, and it's eroding in front of our eyes. This is less than a year. This is dramatic. And this is the data. I'm not, this is not my assessment, people. You are listening to me giving you the actual numbers. So let me bottom line it for you. I'm going to read it from the Gallup poll itself. Americans now generally see the Republican Party as better than the Democratic Party at handling two key government objectives, protecting citizens from international threats and promoting a strong economy. The majority of Americans believe the Republican Party is set up to protect citizens from international threats and promote a strong economy. Now, Despite these, this is where the Democratic Party still has a stronghold, slight, but stronghold, is overall favored over the GOP, which is shocking to me. But again, we're still early. This is year one of a presidency that only looks like it's getting worse. I mean, it's true. So the question really remains, what is this going to look like when it comes to elections, midterm elections. Well, I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see whether or not the country is fed up with Democratic leadership and start to change that in the House and maybe in the Senate. Right now, both are controlled by the Democrats. So the question is, what is the midterm elections going to look like? Is that going to change the power structure legislatively? I'm curious. I really am curious. It is going to be interesting. And it's going to cause a ripple effect. Because right now, right now in this country, we are seeing the greatest grab of power and consolidation of power by the government we've seen in a long time. And you know what? That's trickling down to the local level too. The municipality in Anchorage and the assembly members are trying to construct the greatest grab of power we have ever seen. They're trying to overreach the legislative branch and into the executive branch. It is clear and present. And this, by the way, is a short-sighted move because we know there are ebbs and flows, and eventually the left-leaning majority will be no more. And I don't want to hear, oh, my gosh, this is a gross overreach. Don't come to me with that garbage. Don't come to me. We had the opportunity to keep structure and that is falling by the wayside. And I do not want to hear when the tables are turned 
how preposterous it is that a right-leaning majority is now taking advantage of the precedent sent by the left-leaning. Because we saw this in the Trump administration. Obama wrote executive orders like they were checks going out of style. And so what did the Trump administration do? Well, I guess this is how we do things. I guess this is how we get things done. And all I heard from the left, from the Democratic Party, is this is ridiculous. Well, you should have checked yourself before you wrecked yourself, homie. It's just the case. You're setting precedent. So I don't want to hear about how terrible things are when the other party, who was not in power at the time, decides to use that medicine against you. I don't want to hear it. And you know that's coming. You know that's coming. Meanwhile, as we talk about Anchorage and as we talk about the municipality and the assembly, we're seeing some interesting things coming out. Obviously, we have a high case count. Uh, yesterday, we had 857 cases. Okay? So we're seeing a high case count. We're seeing that, and again, this is all coming from the dashboard, but 184 patients are in the hospital with COVID. 58% of residents, 12 and older, are vaccinated. And vaccination, just so that we're all clear, is two shots or the one Johnson & Johnson shot. So we're seeing this right now. We're seeing this played out. We got a 10% test positivity over the last seven days. So we're seeing all of that. But we're also seeing a decrease in statewide cases. We're seeing, as of right now, as of right now, a 28% decrease in cases. So what they do is week by week, okay? So in September 8th through the September 14th, we saw 4,644 cases statewide. That jumped from September 15th through September 21st to 5,989. And then we saw our biggest increase from September 22nd to September 28th, which topped out at 8,489 cases for that week. It was by far the biggest week we've ever had. However, September 29th through the 5th, October 5th, we've seen a decrease down to 6,119 6, cases. That's a 28% drop. And what I presume is, is we're going to see that exponentially drop as well. The average daily count of cases, the seven-day average is dropping. We're seeing that now. That trend is dropping. And it's only going to continue, which then brings to the question... What are we going to do with this masking mandate? Because the idea is this. The idea is this. What happens when the case count drops back down again below this current spike? What's going to happen? Are you going to have, I mean, how can you warrant a case count like that? How can you warrant a masking mandate when the case counts? drop significantly. The seven-day daily average drops significantly. The hospitals open back up even more so than they are now. What's going to happen? How can, you, how can you justify a municipal masking mandate? And by the way, don't get it twisted here. I think I've said this yesterday. This masking mandate that they're trying to try to push through, this AO 2021-91, this is... There's going to be so many amendments to this thing to try to satisfy constituents because many of these individuals who are going to be voting for this mask mandate are up for re-election, and this is going to hang around their, their neck come 2021. 
sorry, 2022. This is going to hang around their neck. If I'm running against them, I am using all of their decisions in marketing, in advertisements. But here's the deal. What's going to happen? How are you going to justify a masking mandate when things return back to prior to the spike? I mean, you're always going to have COVID cases. I think we're, I think we're slowly beginning to understand that COVID is going to be here to stay. But what's going to happen? It's a good question. What is going to happen? We don't know. But as each day passes and as the seven-day average decreases and as we see less and less cases being, um, new cases being found, it's going to be harder to justify this mandate. Now, I don't know how this is going to be turned into a political win for those who either vote for it, but I'm sure something's in the works. And with the amount of people that I keep testifying publicly in the assembly chambers, it's becoming clear. Now, I've read a variety of different things. I've heard people say that the written testimony has been 50-50. I've heard numbers that have shown a two-to-one favorite in those who are support of the masking mandate. But I can tell you this. As the case counts and as you look at the dashboard by the state, continue to come out day in and day out. And as the numbers decrease, it is going to be difficult to justify to the public that there's a need for a mask mandate. It really is. It really is. And it's going to be interesting. So, where does this go? I don't know. I don't know. But I can tell you that the numbers are trending down. And they're, and they're beginning to trend down fairly sharply. And these are all numbers you can find if you go to the Alaska um, Department of Health and Social Services, the Coronavirus Response Hub. I mean, they give you all these dashboards. You can see them yourself. It is not difficult. The one I'm using is I'm looking at the cases dashboard. Gives you total cases, deaths, hospitalizations for residents and non-residents. And I'm telling you, it's going to be interesting as the cases fall and as the hospitalizations fall and as the seven-day average falls, how are we going to justify this? Because the mask mandate has not been in place and it's falling on its own. I'm not sure. It'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? That's it for me today. That's all the time I have. Uh, Check us out at mustreadalaska.com. If you want to support what we do, I encourage you to do that. Go to the top right. You can hit the donate button. Every little bit helps, and we appreciate our listeners, our readers, and our supporters. And if you haven't, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or MeWe or Parler or Rumble, all using the handle at mustreadalaska, one word. That is the at symbol for the handle, mustreadalaska. That's all one word. Well, until tomorrow and you get your additional daily dose, take care, Alaska. Alaska.